right, ladies and gentlemen, I have not slept for a few days now. It's March. March Madness is upon us. I'm not sleeping, though, till Brooklyn. Today's March 5th and March 7th. We have the Hawks taking on LaSalle. Or sorry, LaSalle. Jeez, that's a flashback to last year. Taking on Loyola Chicago in the first round. Uh, and on the call, we'll have Matt Martucci. Unfortunately for you today, Matt Martucci is joining us. Matt, uh, first off, thanks so much for joining us again. It was a lot of fun talking to you last year. And we're just really, I think, as a fan base, collectively really lucky to have you and Joe Lenardi on the call every night. Um, just like really, really fortunate. So thanks for that. And thanks for joining us tonight. No, my pleasure, guys. Um, and any chance that I get to to talk about the Atlantic 10 in March, um, I, I relish these opportunities. So I, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, It's great to be here. Yeah, you know, it's it's an awesome time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. I literally told my fiance not to plan anything for the month of March. <laughs> and uh, for good reason. How'd that I, go? Uh, well, maybe not so great. You know, we're having our wedding shower in a you're few still weeks. Getting so. you're, yeah, you're still, still getting married. Yeah, still getting married, I guess. So. Yeah, then you're okay. Yeah. Um, but we have a, a, a fun day in just two days ahead of us. Loyola. um, taking on St. Joe's and Drew Valentine's first year in the A-10. So I guess we'll start there. Um, you know, we we talked before the phone this this started that, uh, you know, Educate is nursing that, nursing that foot injury. We really need him back. But what do you see as sort of the keys to the Hawks um, as they take on the uh, Loyola? Uh, I mean, I, I think, Peter, it's a, it's a lot of um... – of what what you ended up getting the the first two matchups for them. I I think this is as well as Loyola has been playing. I think this is a, a lot more about the Hawks than it is uh, about the Ramblers. Um, if you end up getting consistent guard play the way you did in the first two matchups, uh, then then I I think you'll be in a position to to be sitting pretty and and to be talking about a win uh, around four o'clock Tuesday when uh, when when this thing has. Has presumably wrapped up. Although I did just watch Lafayette uh, take American to uh, to double overtime, blow a what was I think a, a twenty one point lead, and then come back and win. Uh, so, you know, I guess guess anything's possible. It might be four thirty or five o'clock by the time uh, by the time we get done. Um, but you know, if they if they wrap it up in a couple hours, it it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if if the guards have played well, if you're getting what you're getting from Reynolds, if you get what you get from Greer and uh, if if Cam Brown can can snap out of the the three game funk that that he's kind of been in, then I, I think you're in good shape. Um, this this Loyola team, while playing better, um, there's not really one guy that's that's going to take you for thirty um, on one night. I mean they they have uh, the Alston kid, the the D two transfer who's pretty good. Uh, I was actually really surprised. Sheldon Edwards uh, yesterday essentially, you know came out of nowhere was not uh, a big factor for them basically all year and ended up getting 25 against LaSalle. So um, I don't know, maybe that's, that's one more guy to, to potentially worry about in, um, you know, in, in Drew Valentine's rotation. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's much more uh, about the Hawks uh, than, than it is about the Ramblers. That's uh, a very long answer, a very long winded answer to, um, you know, a, a shorter question uh, to, Answer your question though about Obina. Uh, obviously, yeah, they they do miss him. We kind of talked a, a little bit before we got started about 
how valuable he is in the pick and roll and especially early in the game that's that's kind of the way they they get their offense established uh they they've run that early pick and roll quite a bit you know with with a lot of dunks from him to to perfection this year um the early point of games so you know you miss him as a rim protector not a big shot blocker but you know he's he's an almost seven foot presence you know at the rim um which you know, makes, makes him uh, an intimidating factor for somebody that's, that's going to dribble penetrate. So you miss him there. Um, CJ Coleman is, is, you know, is, has been uh, a, a good reserve, a, a good bench player showing you his defensive ability at times can consistently you know, knock down a perimeter shot here and there. Um, but, you know, Obina's Obina. He was an almost double, double guy when he started to come on down the stretch and you're going to miss that. But I, I think, what they have is is good enough to be able to win for a game. Now that uh, I've I've rambled, but it's it's perfect. You know, it's the perfect segue because they're playing the Ramblers. We open up our first question on a ramble, so we can continue to move on. That's all good, Pete. Pete, I'm going to jump in here real quick because I want to kind of add on to that. Um, what, and what do you think about this, Matt? When I say the we miss Tobina because he's a center, but also the senior presence because if you think about it, it was both him and Cam leading the team together. They're the older veterans now. It's kind of on Cam. Like if things aren't going well for the team, um, you know he's going to be alone in rallying the troops because Fleming's the freshman. You know Reynolds is is the leader, but he's still a sophomore. Greer's a sophomore. Do you think that plays a, a role into it as well? Besides just like basketball X's and O's. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's big simply. Um because he he is a guy that that does have conference tournament experience you know not um not not necessarily a ton of it but he had it at Vanderbilt he had it uh, obviously uh, a year ago with SJU um and Cam Brown is is the the only guy that's been here all four years under Billy um so those are you know those are essentially and and you you can throw Reynolds in there who also has uh has an A10 tournament game um under his belt but yeah, there's there's not a, a ton of guys that have been in this situation before in terms of of voices in the room. So I I think that that factors in a little bit. Um, by the same token, you know Loyola has some guys that are still leftovers from the 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 team a year ago uh, that Drew Valentine ended up taking to the tournament with a, a lot of uh, Porter Mosier's roster, um, and then ended up losing in the first round to Ohio State. Um, so I I think for the most part that that kind of cancels out. Um, but yeah, you miss, you miss that presence. Um, it, it definitely can't be discounted, but, uh, is it, is it going to be something that would push you over the top? No, I, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, but you would love to have Obina. I think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm based on what I watched in warmups the other night, I would assume that you're going to have Quachik. So, I mean, he, he warmed up, uh, I think he probably, he was available. He was listed as available to play the other night. So I would expect that they figured if they could get through Wednesday without him, um, then then you know by the time this Tuesday or Wednesday rolled around, uh, then you know they would presumably have him available to play. So you don't have Obina, but the good news is I think you're you're likely to have Kotzper in uh, in the first round. Yeah, I think that's excellent um, to to know like having Kotzper coming into the game because. We, we definitely need someone on the perimeter to guard. Um, maybe not first. Uh, I keep going to say this out. Maybe not against the Ramblers, but definitely against GW and their uh, their backcourt. Um, but when I think about edge, I feel like another thing that comes to mind 
on someone who's really picked it up in a 10 play is Lynn Greer. And I think uh, Lynn and his connection with educate has really helped him find himself um, sort of the second half of the year after the Duquesne game. He really, he's really come along really nicely. Um, And it didn't show in the stat line these, these last few games without educate. But I think, I think he does. We do our guards do better when educate is on the floor. So. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because it's it's one more thing for for opposing defenses to have to worry about. Um, now, I mean, let's let's call this what it is. Um, you know, for the most part, most of what you're getting from from Edge is, you know, it's it's in the it's in like the the two to ten foot range. Um, it's not like not like he's going to step out and knock out a knock down a mid range jumper, but you miss his rim presence. You miss his ability to rebound. Um, yeah, I mean, you you miss miss just him in the post, um, being being one more thing for an opposing scouting report, an, an opponent to actually have to to worry about. So yeah, I I think that that's not something to be discounted. Uh, you do miss him, um, and uh, thankfully though, you know you you run into a team uh, in in round one that you know doesn't really have uh, have a true big. Um, and your your path in the second round, if you happen to get to the second round, you beat Loyola, uh, GW, same deal. You know they they have Ricky Lindo, who's their best rebounder. They have Hunter Dean, who's who's a, a good field goal percentage guy and a good role guy, but again, isn't going to kill you in the interior. I think this is the best case scenario, honestly, for them. If you were talking matchup, it was either either going to be ten or eleven, because you didn't like you didn't want to be in the eight nine game. Because you were going to be on a collision course with St. Bonaventure again, where you would have CJ Coleman matched up with a true back to the basket post presence in Chad Venning. And unfortunately, we watched kind of how that went on on that Sunday afternoon uh, up in Olean. So I, I think in, in terms of matchup and potential path, you couldn't have asked for anything better um, for, for St. Joe's uh, in, in these first two rounds, potentially. So you you worry about getting Tuesday and then uh, Wednesday you you should feel pretty good because you have a team you split with and that you match up pretty well against. Yeah, definitely have to take it a day at a time. And I agree if we we somehow snuck past St. Bonaventure, I certainly wouldn't want to play VCU because defense travels and the the def- defense that VCU has this year is just super athletic and uh, not too dissimilar from Dayton. But um, you know, Matt. This is March, and this is the A10 tournament. And I don't know if, in its history, anyone's ever won five games um, to get to get to the championship and win it. So, no, I can tell you, I, I don't even have to look. Yeah, uh, no, nobody, nobody's done five in five days. Doesn't I? Uh, I watched Syracuse do it. I rip off four and four uh, with some guy named Jerry McNamara, um, my uh, my senior year up there. So I know four and four is possible because I've seen it done. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I've ever ever watched anybody in the A10, um, you know, have, have the potential to do this. So yeah, I mean, it, you want to put together a run, who knows how long it'll last. Uh it it would be fun to to still be playing if we're if Thursday rolls around. Um if you're looking for um, you know, whether you're a barometer for whether your season was a success or not, I think if if you've won a game or two. You know, based on the the upward trajectory of what you have coming next year with um with uh, the incoming freshman class, 
I I would say that's that's a pretty good benchmark in terms of of deciding what what was good, what wasn't. Yeah, based on what I hear from a lot of like fans that you know you talk to in the stands and stuff like that, or people who like email our show, um, I would say that two wins would put the fan base at a confident position where they're like, you know, it was tough sledding. There were some injuries, like there are every year, but two wins is something that we haven't done in a long time. Um, even when that one year we beat LaSalle that we would play UMass and get the, bl- the doors blown off of us like two years ago with, or was it three? I mean, time flies with when we had Ryan Daly, but um, that, that would to, that, to win two this year would be the most success we've had in a while. So look, I mean, I was, it was my second year doing this job. Uh, I believe it was. And uh, they ended up, they ended up playing GW uh, in the first round down at GW with uh, a young Langston Galloway, um, you know, Ron Roberts, like an older core of, I think it was, it was like Sheroy Bentley and and, and some of those guys. Um, and uh, they, they ended up, ended up winning a couple games and lost in the A-10 semifinals uh, to, to a Dayton team uh, by like, by like three points. And then um I think Rich, Richmond ended up winning the tournament that year. That was when we were still still down in Atlantic City. And then the next year they ended up ripping off 20 wins. And I'm I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. Um but if you're looking for for a potential comparison where you you had a young core that was kind of kind of rising, um you have a young star in Eric Reynolds that by if if they happen to get to three games you know, if they happen to win these first two and they're still playing on Thursday, uh, Eric Reynolds, well, m- mark my words, Eric Reynolds will be in a thousand point score before the end of his sophomore year. I think he, he needs like 60 to a thousand. Um, I don't, don't have those numbers right in front of me, but actually I can, yeah, he needs 56 points to get to a thousand, uh, as of right now, according to college basketball reference, he has nine, nine forty-four in 60 career games. So you'll be talking about a thousand point scorer. You'll be talking about a Lynn Greer with with a full season of first full season of college basketball under his belt. Uh, you'll have Christian Winborn and Rashir Fleming as sophomores. You might have Cam Brown, depending on what potentially he decides to do, because he does have another year if he so chooses. Um, so y- you have pieces to build around. You have Kotsper Kwachik. Um, you have a lot with with the freshman class coming in, Finkley, Brown, Simmons, etc. So I, I think um the future is is potentially bright if uh, if you're able to put something together here and win a game or two. Yeah, the Hawks put out uh, a stat the other day, Hawksman Basketball Twitter, that said uh, Eric Reynolds was the first player since Jameer to score uh, two consecutive games scoring 30 points or more. Back to back, to back 30 back to plus. Back. Yeah. yeah, how about that? I mean, so I think that, that tells you all you need to know. Um, and a great kid, too. Great kid from a... a and an absolutely great family loves loves being in school here um and i i think is is growing by the game um i think i saw somebody had tweeted in you know is there is there a guy that could potentially single-handedly take over the bracket um i don't know about single-handedly take over a bracket but if if he went crazy and and ended up having 30 again it wouldn't surprise me um he had 14 in the first game 24 in the second one in Chicago. And now um, you're playing on a playing in a neutral site um, in, in a pro arena. What better stage? I, I, I think than than to be there and to, to be able to showcase your talents than, um, than in the home of the Brooklyn Nets. 
Um, Would you say that he's the player that excites you the most for St. Joe's or do you find more intrigue with players like Rashir Fleming? Like where, where do you stand? Who excites you when you're watching them play? Cause for me, it, I, I'd have to say it's probably Reynolds just because of the, the way he can finish around the rim. It's we haven't had anyone like that in a very long time that can do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good point, Tony. Um, they, they haven't, you know, in a little while um, I have to have to think about this in terms I mean, are you probably, are we going back to all the way back to DeAndre Bembry? We probably are um, in terms of just electricity and, and ability to consistently make plays. Um, you know, no, I, I like Jordan Hall um, and Jordan Hall is obviously making, making folks down in, down in Texas, very happy. Um, and I, you know, Jordan Hall had that, had that ability um, to get games like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, it, there's a, a different gear, I think, with Eric uh, when he explodes to the basket, when he gets he gets that quick first step by somebody on the baseline, um, when he takes a dribble and and steps back and drills uh, consecutive uh, end of half threes back to back games. Yeah, I mean, I I I think Eric's is as good a player at St. Joe's as as we've had in in a long time. Um, so I think that's a great point. To answer the question though, what who excites you more? I mean, I I might actually lean uh, toward a toward a Rashir Fleming just because I don't think he realizes guys how good he is yet or how good he has the potential to be, um, because he you know he's he's just scratching the surface I think of of what he's actually capable of, uh, and and we were joking about it the other night on the broadcast after he he hit a three, you know from the perimeter, um, he hit he hit one in the right corner and. Joe and I were joking. I said something to Joe about, you know, maybe like maybe he's not a consistent perimeter presence, but maybe maybe he's somebody that that can get you one or two a game. And then it was like a possession or two later, he came down and got the ball in the left corner and and drilled another one from from the opposite spot. So it was like, yeah, you don't think I can be a consistent perimeter shooter? I'll show you guys. Um, so I, I just think there's there's endless upside with him. Um with the the seven three wingspan, with the shot blocking ability, to be able to step out, um, you know, and hit a shot like that in the perimeter every now and then to to get out in transition, uh, I and of course what he brings at at the top of their full court pressure, um, when you know when they run that that uh, one two two or or if you want to throw him at the top of like a you throw him in the middle or at the top of a one three one, um, I think uh, I think he's got as much potential and and upside as anyone so. I I think I I answered your question there that he he's probably my my favorite um in terms of potential upside because I've seen what Eric looks like um and I'm I'm really looking forward to these last two years uh provided you know provided the league doesn't come calling in, in like a year or so. Um I'm I'm hoping he he ended up he ends up finishing all four here. Um but yeah, I think Rashir Fleming hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's actually capable of. Yeah, I think Eric Reynolds shows flashes um, just where he's unguardable. And we see, uh, I'm trying to think of the VCU player that he reminds me so much of um, that's in the league currently. Bones, Bones Highland? Bones Highland. I feel like that that is often who I think of when I see Eric, um, when he can't miss a shot, which feels like often for uh, what I've seen this season. But yeah, you spoke a lot about um, sort of intangible upside there. And guys who we've seen on the court, who we we don't think we've seen them to their fullest capacity, and someone like Rashir Fleming, and 
there's also on the broadcast uh, with Dr. G and you, you and Joe, uh, been some talk about the another exciting guys that's on the bench um, in Creasy Sindoko, and we're really excited to he- see what he has to offer. I mean, Dr. G had alluded to the fact that Creasy had been, you know, working out with Joel Joel Embiid, um, and he, Sean Simmons has said that he's one of the most talented bigs that he's ever played with. And that's a lot coming from someone who played on, you know, Kevin Durant's uh, AAU elite team. So I, I'm interested to see if you have any insight on, you know, just the sort of the level of excitement factor. Um, no, I mean, I, I can absolutely uh, expound on that. The, the little bit I saw, and this was, this was about probably three or four preseason workouts uh, there were times when he was the best player on the floor. Uh, I can, uh, among the bigs, I can absolutely tell you he was hands down the best passer, um, just in terms of being able to find his teammates and and being able to distribute. Um, if if they have somebody like that, where you can actually, if, if you want your offense to to potentially be you know be perimeter as perimeter heavy as as you know they've shown and as they would like it to be, uh, I I think he's the perfect piece to be able to have a big that that you could actually maybe run it through um to be able to to throw the ball inside and and run the run the ball inside out for the most part um i i i love the the potential upside I, and it's funny because um it's literally been so long since since i've watched him work out and that's that's only because i i haven't been to practice in a little while uh that that i i almost forgot and it's 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 funny that that you guys bring that up um in terms of upside. So yeah, maybe I, I, I might quickly have somebody else that that's ends up superseding Rashir Fleming by, by the early part of next year. But yeah, I mean, I think, think there's, the, there's plenty of upside with crease too. And I, I can't wait to see it materialize. Yeah. With this team, we're always, I'm always looking at the upside. Like I think about Kat, Casper and how much growth he's had as a player, really improving a shot. Uh, you know, it's been a shame to watch him be sick and then out with a, uh, the leg injury so it's just a lot of fun seeing these players develop but uh, let's get back to the conversation on March I have a, a question that came in from one of our fans John Yukowski, who asked uh, you know I, we we all know that you've done a lot of really great games but maybe what are some of the top calls that you've given at your time at SJU or it, it maybe even more specifically the month of March which I think might be fun for fans to to sort of listen to yeah i mean you and i were talking about isaiah miles um b- before we ended up starting so spokane 2016 is is i i have often referenced that um there was there was nothing quite like that um to to be in in that situation uh where you know all of a sudden uh somebody uh, somebody gets uh cincinnati gets a bucket i forget what exactly cincinnati gets a bucket um and then you you bring the ball into the front court and you you more or less call timeout uh and then DeAndre Bembry finds a basically you know in in typical DeAndre Bembry fashion rather than than taking the shot himself ended up finding a better one for his teammate who had been you know Robin essentially to his Batman that year and Miles rises up over Farad Cobb who was a a pretty good defender in his own right and and drills a three from the wing and then uh, Troy Copain goes the length of the floor, leaves the ball off for Octavius Ellis, goes up for the dunk, and turns out that the ball was was in the net but hadn't 
actually left his hands when the red light was on um, and, and the Hawks end up getting their, their first tournament win, um, you know, basically since the, since the perfect season. Um, so there, there was nothing like that. Uh, the two, a 10 runs, obviously, you know, just, just watching what Langston Galloway did uh, at Dayton um, back in, in 2014. And then, um, you know, doing it, doing it shortly after uh, again, watching what Halil Kenesevic did in, in that 2014 tournament and then damn near taking out the eventual national champion in UConn. And then I'll give you one um, from, from doing a game where it, it, it wasn't a St. Joe's game. Uh, Lewisburg, uh, Bucknell, and Holy Cross in the Patriot League quarterfinals uh, back in that same year, 2016. I was paired with uh, with Bob Valvano uh, on stadium. Bob Bobby V wanted to do a game uh, in, in Lewisburg because Jim had had coached there at one point uh, and wanted to do basically wanted to visit every place where where Jimmy D had coached. So he wanted to wanted to obviously reminisce about his brother. So. Uh, they ended up assigning him that one. And it was the first and the only time I've ever worked with Bobby V. And that night Bucknell came in as the top seed uh, and they ended up losing in triple overtime. Holy cross ended up ripping off. That was another instance where Holy cross ripped off four wins in, in however many days. Now, granted there was a, a gap between the semifinals and the finals. Um, and then uh, I think a gap as well between uh, quarterfinals, you know, quarters and semis. Uh, but that was that was as as cool as as anything I've ever seen. That game went into into triple overtime, and uh, a freshman named named Carl Charles, who's the younger brother of uh, of a pen guard right now, Jonah Charles, he ended up knocking down like what was the dagger three um, in in what was the third overtime. So those those are some of the best ones. Uh, but there is, and you know, this past Saturday was pretty good too. Uh, Penn and Princeton. Uh, on ESPN News, where Princeton uh, ends up down as many as 19 points, and they end up coming all the way back uh, and and clinching a share of the Ivy League title. And oh, by the way, six days from now they're going to match up again as the two and the three seed in Ivy Madness. So uh, there's there's nothing like this time of year, guys. Like I'm, I'll I'll get done with you guys. I'm talking to Fran Dunphy in like half an hour uh, to to prepare for LaSalle in Rhode Island, and. Um, I'll probably be up until like one thirty or two o'clock in the morning preparing tonight, but I, I love this. This is like, I'm like a, I'm like the kid, like sneaking around the staircase to try and look at the Christmas tree, you know, the night before to see what mom and dad have left out. Like that's, that's how much I love this stuff. Um, so how, I, I, how, how yeah. do you prep is my question. And you don't have to go yeah. too in depth on it because I'm sure you're about to do it for many hours, but maybe this will peak to see, like, do you look at stats game show, like viewing game footage? Do you and Fran talk about like what you're actually going to say? Like, how does that all go? Um, no, I mean, so the, not, not so much what you're necessarily going to say, but it's, it's nice to, to kind of see what their season looks like through their lens. You know, I mean, uh, talking to Fran tonight, we'll talk about obviously two matchups with Rody that, that they ended up splitting this year. Uh, looking at the, the fact that, uh, just, just like Rhode Island, his, his team comes in having dropped, I think it's four, four, for five straight now for for LaSalle coming in um and just kind of kind of what's going on um so it, it'll be more for when when I talk to a coach it's more just the lens of of how they see things um how how their season has gone more or less from from their perspective um and then you know yeah you have stats but I'm I'm more of a 
you know, narrative and what's the narrative? What are the, what are the good individual stories? Why is this team the way that they are more or less um, at this point, you know, however many months were early October, mid October to the start of practice. So what are we talking about? We're talking about almost five months after the start of practice. What is the theme of, of this year, more or less? Um, and everything gets laid out like most broadcasters on uh, an eight and a half by 14 sheet of legal pe- of legal paper. Um, I'll print one out on one side. One will, will have St. Joe's on it. The other one will have Loyola. And then for uh, the, the second game, the third game of the day, but the second one that I'll do, you'll have LaSalle on one side and then you'll have have Rody on the other. Um, and I mean, I can can obviously give you storylines from a Rhode Island perspective. They ended up kicking their leading second leading scorer, Brayon Freeman, the GW transfer off of the team right before the UMass game, um, what was mid-February. And since then, the ball has moved much better for them, but um, they've had a tougher time scoring, you know, because as, as much of um, sometimes a, maybe a, a pain in the, in the you-know-what, Brayon Freeman was at times, um, he still was a guy that they could get a bucket when they needed to to get a bucket. Um, but long term, you know, Archie Miller and that program, they're they decided that they're they're probably better off um, you know, going forward. So uh that's that's a big theme for for their season. Um obviously for the Hawks, seven of nine at one point. Uh, you you guys know the narrative there, and then stumbled down the stretch, found a way to win. We're uh, a Davidson loss away from not playing on Tuesday, and and being in that eight nine game, but now have a have the potential to do something they haven't done yet in the Billy Lang era, which is win an Atlantic Ten tournament game. So, um, there you, there we're not short of stories uh, for sure. So, to to answer your question, it's it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's it's a lot of ingredients, I guess, that that go into the recipe. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll probably spend before all is said and done, like, like four or five hours on each team. Um, you would, you'd like to spend more, um, at the, but at this point in the year, like your the games ended yesterday, you're, you're trying to cram stuff in to, to make sure that you read every story and, and, you know, digest every statistic, but it, it just isn't possible. So, um, there'll, there'll be plenty of prep though, that goes into tonight and finishing up tomorrow night. Yeah, such an interesting year, um, and we're really lucky again to to have you on the call. Um, but yeah, it's a, a a new sort of format to the to the play because we have obviously Loyola in there, and they'll have an extra extra press conference day on Friday, which I think is new from previous years. It is. It so is. that that'll be, I think, build the hype of the tournament. So I'm excited for that. Um, like you said, this is sort of like the best time of year and you're, you're talking to a, a new, but old, old, well, a new, a newer coach in the A-10. Well, I don't know how to say that when it comes to Fran Dunphy, you're talking to a first year back in the A-10 coach. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your sort of predictions are um, for a, a year where we have some new coaches um, for you Rhode Island, UMass, LaSalle, um, is who do you think is going to be from that group, sort of the person who emerges maybe, um, and is still playing later on this year. I guess we have Fordham there too with Keith Ergo. Um, 
I mean, <laughs> I I can I can absolutely throw out uh, some some potential predictions, uh, but you know, it's I'm like anybody else. I've what is this? This is 14 years uh, in this league doing St. Joe's men's basketball, and it's ooh, what is this? 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, it's like seven straight. I think doing doing the first round uh, of this thing. And, um, you know, I think, I think this field is as wide open as, as any that we've ever had. Uh, the fact that you get six teams on day one, and I mean, how many people that for however many years, I, I don't know what they, what they ended up calling these. They, I think you guys jokingly called them the pillow fight or whatever it is. Um, I think that's, that's become the the name for these, but I think a lot of the stigma is gone now that you have, you have almost half of your league playing on, on the first day with the addition of Loyola. So I think in terms of as competitive a field as you've ever had, uh, I think this is exactly what you're looking at. Um, day one, who can win potentially, um, you know, maybe, maybe more than, more than like a game. Uh, I liked what I saw a few weeks ago up at roadie from, from a young UMass team. Uh, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up beating Richmond on Tuesday and then giving George Mason a run for their money on, on Wednesday, potentially with the, the winner to meet St. Louis. Um, those guys are getting healthy right at the, at the right time. Matt Cross has been out a little while for Frank Martin. It had sprained his MCL. Um, he's a two-time transfer from, from the ACC, um, was at Louisville and was kind of cast aside and then ended up being one of their better players this year. They have a really good freshman, RJ Luis, uh, who is who ended up getting 30 uh, in in their first matchup with Duquesne, went to the foul line an ungodly amount of times. Um, so I, I like them potentially if you're looking for somebody, you know, out of out of the the day one candidates that isn't St. Joe's uh to potentially put together a run. We talked a little uh off air, uh, if you will, about Duquesne. I think they they have a favorable path too and if they they do win that second round game which i would think they would they handled LaSalle the first time um they'll they'll match up really well with with Rody to be able to to be able to get plenty of perimeter looks and then they run into into Fordham who they just saw they'd basically be on a collision course with them so um wouldn't surprise me if if maybe Duquesne ended up emerging out of the bottom of the bracket i, I think Keith Dambrot's a terrific coach and ended up finding the right transfers. Um, how many times do you know do we say that in in you know this day and age where the majority of your rosters is, is transfers and and they put together something that was you went from being dead last in the league um, to to being right until up until the last weekend pretty much um, on the cusp of of what would have been a top four seed. Uh, so the turnaround that they made is is terrific, and then. From from the top four seeds, obviously, it wouldn't surprise me if VCU or, or Dayton won it either. Dayton still has your best pro, uh, and when you have the the best player on the floor, or at least the the best chance at an NBA player in most of your matchups in this league, you're you're going to be in the game or have a chance to win the game most nights. It's just a a matter of which Dayton ends up showing up. The the team that you know when it's when it's right when Malachi Smith is in the lineup shows up. And, and is capable of hammering anybody, or if it's the team that I ended up seeing Saturday, um, not this past Saturday, but but I guess it would have, or would it have been this? No, 
it was it's a week ago, week ago at this point, uh, home against George Mason that that kind of fell apart and faltered, ended up faltering down the stretch. Um, I, I I think this is as wide open though as as any year we've ever had. It's uh, it's going to be wild, wild west in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I said it before. No sleep till Brooklyn, uh, Matt. I know you have a lot of exciting uh, basketball ahead of you, so we don't want to keep you too late tonight. I know you have a lot of prepping to do, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My it's pleasure. really, really a pleasure for us and for everyone listening. So thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with fans ahead of uh, the matchup, St. Joe's, two p.m. on ESPN Plus against Loyola Chicago? No, I mean, I I think just a, a thank you to the league uh, for for the trust and for the opportunity to to be able to do this. Um, I mean, you know where I'm from, Peter. You're from you're from Monroe County. Um, kids kids from Broadsville, Pennsylvania, don't usually. Uh, end up on ESPN or end up, end up with opportunities, um, like these, you know, to be able to do this as long as I have, um, I, I tell a story often, I may have told it to you guys before, but I was a little kid. Um, I was maybe, maybe 11 or 12 years old. And I went to 76ers basketball camp, uh, up in the Poconos, not far from, from where I grew up. It was on Bangor mountain road in, in Stroudsburg. Um, you come up over a hill and, all of a sudden there's like this, this little hidden wooded area that you turn into and there's smack dab. You'd never know it. The Sixers have their, their summer camp for kids. And one year I went and uh, somebody was supposed to speak. I don't know if it was Jerry Stackhouse or, or who it was, but whoever they had lined up either had a prior commitment or didn't show up or, or whatever. So to make people feel better, they gave you practice tickets to a practice. And at that point uh, tickets to practice were, at a at alumni memorial field house and uh this was you know it was before hagen arena back back in the old days with the the bleachers and um some of the the more uncomfortable seats up top and and things like that you know everything that everything that gave um gave the field house you know it's it's charm and i went with my dad and we parked in the parking lot and we watched watched the sixers practice and at the end of it john lucas who was the head coach shouted Two minutes of autographs, two minutes. And everybody sprinted down from the, the upper deck of, of Alumni Memorial Fieldhouse and rushed it at Jerry Stackhouse and uh, Vernon Maxwell and God knows who else was was Sharon Wright, God, who <laughs> really dating myself there. Um, one of the worst draft picks in, in 76ers history. But um, basically everybody ran onto the floor. And I think about that often every time I walk in and I get the chance to to go to work and and to be able to put on that headset, how cool that little kid would have thought and still thinks it is that I get to do this um, on a, a weekly and a nightly and a game by game basis. Uh, it's it's so awesome, and I'm I'm so thankful and so grateful to be able to do it. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on, but uh, I'm more appreciative to to the folks. Um, who who take the time to listen and and to to compliment Joe and I and to to compliment Dr. G and I and that that stuff means the world to us and um, we take a lot of pride in in being able to do this so thank you guys yeah this big kid over here loves listening to you every night so I appreciate um, that we uh, we're really fortunate and uh, blessed to to have such a great uh, announcing staff so uh, Tony. Uh, Matt, thank you again 
for joining us tonight and thanks for all the listeners and as always the hawk will never die my life has been the glory of the God.